Welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week, it's just me, Paul Sweeney, co-founder and chief strategy officer here at Webio, and I'll be exploring some of the recent news stories, events and reports, and trends in the credit industry. Let's dive into the details. Starting with this week's general credit industry news. A new analysis by which has estimated that 7 million households are struggling to keep up with their rent or mortgage payments. Despite the Bank of England maintaining interest rates last week, the pain is still to come for just under a third of homeowners, or 2.1 million households, whose fixed rate deals will finish by the end of 2024. Nearly a third of mortgage holders have dipped into their savings to pay their housing bills. Around a quarter of private renters and social renters have also dipped into savings. One in five mortgage holders are working more hours in order to afford their housing bills. Evidence, as if any more were needed, of how this affects people emotionally is that over half of everyone are feeling stressed on a daily basis. This compares to 28% of households who own their homes outright. So, difference there. Over half of people do not feel that they are in control of their money, which the magazine is calling on banks, mortgage lenders and utilities to properly support high numbers of people getting in touch over the winter months. This is the same week when the UK's Energy Security and Net Zero Committee has a new report following an inquiry into how the UK government and energy firms can prepare for the coming months. Last year, excess winter deaths increased by nearly 50% to more than 4,700 people. The continuing high energy costs will be exasperated by wider cost of living pressures and accumulated energy debts. The committee is going to call for a package of targeted supports for vulnerable groups and is calling for the energy companies themselves to take a more proactive and empathetic approach to customer service. New reports and research conducted by YouGov on behalf of the Step Change charity is showing that two in five people would feel reluctant to discuss their budget pressures with their landlord or mortgage lender. As we have pointed out before, those who are in the private rent sector do not have the same protections as those who are making mortgage payments or those with social rent. Given that people are already dipping into savings to pay their mortgage costs, people will no doubt be looking for further ways to extend their credit and buying power. The UK Labour Party it is reported that they are set to make the regulation of buy now, pay later credit a pledge in their next election manifesto. The rumour is that the Labour Party are proposing that the lenders should be required to perform credit checks and that there should be credit card style protections for end users. Now, we may have our own information filters uh, on here, but there seems to be a lot of calls to action around customer service. Um, And the very kinds of companies that Webio typically addresses are the ones that are being called upon. So I think we are going to see a continuing calls for a whole range of companies, particularly in financial services, utilities and the credit industry, to up their customer service game. 
Moving on to the next section, just going to speak a little bit about buy now, pay later and developments with Apple. So the first report is from Payments, which is P-Y-M-N-T-S and Sezzle, S-E-Z-Z-L-E, revealing that retailers that do not offer uh, buy now, pay later are at risk of losing sales as nearly half of buy now, pay later users would delay or cancel a purchase or opt for a cheaper product if a merchant did not offer be it buy now, pay later as a method. Buy now, pay later does seem to increase the ability or willingness of customers to buy products and thus increases average basket size. Another point is that buy now, pay later is instrumental in helping users manage their cash positions effectively, which is the primary reason 53% of buy now, pay later users choose this method. 17% use it to preserve their cash position. 60% of Americans are living from paycheck to paycheck. So this ability to have some control over your spend and your savings is a key benefit of this type of payment service. A hidden benefit of buy now, pay later, um, well, to two thirds of the buy now, pay later users, it's not known to them, but they can increase their credit scores by using buy now, pay later, according to the report. In other news this week, Apple have taken another step forward in their financial service ambitions with the launch of an updated Apple wallet. It is now integrated with the UK's open banking API, so you can now see your current account balance as well as a history of deposits and payments. The balances will also be shown in line when buying something with Apple Pay, helping users be more financially aware about whether they can afford the purchase. Supporting banks so far include Barclays, HSBC, Lloyds, Royal Bank of Scotland, Monzo and Starling. It is easy to imagine you contacting a company through iMessage, interacting conversationally, and just as you are in the checkout phase of that conversation, for Apple to show you your bank balance. I already use Apple Wallet for simple things like transport tickets and cinema bookings, but a live connection to open banking data might open up a whole new world of innovation for Apple. I can really see a lot of value being opened up here. So one to absolutely keep your eye on as soon as it's available. We're just gonna draw your attention to a EU CCD customer or Consumer Credit Directive. The updated EU Consumer Credit Directive is now almost agreed in its final version. I just picked a few things out of the explainer here to draw your attention to. First, going digital continues to change markets. Several factors are at work to create greater competition and easier consumer access. Things like smartphone technology, the internet, and application programming interfaces, APIs, do you and me? Artificial intelligence and big data technology, and also distributed ledger technology. These are all helping make the market more digital. Areas where digital technology has made the biggest inroads in financial services are consumer credit and payments, and traditional providers are under pressure from newcomers that cooperate with them or go into direct competition. However, this is still far from a single market for credit products and services, and there's a lot more innovation to go in here and regulatory frameworks before we are looking at a truly European market. 
While operating as a directive, this means that each country within the EU will have to transpose this directive into national law. The CCD remains narrow in scope, as consumer protection has been left to national law. Also, other elements related to consumer credit have been legislated on in the meantime, such as the standardization of lending to tackle non-performing loans. So the lesson here is that you will need to review this on a country by country basis as you expand your European footprint. The new proposal considerably extends the Consumer Credit Directive and it now includes in its scope additional types of loans, buy now pay later schemes, short term overdraft facilities, interest free credit and loans offered through crowdfunding, deferred payment loans, credit card payments, on the condition that payment remains free of interest, also included. Pawn shop and doorstep loans are left out of the scope together with certain suppliers of goods and services. Due to the advantages deferred credit cards offer to households in adjusting their finances, member states can exempt those if they fulfill specific conditions. Mortgages are also excluded from the CCD scope. Loans below 200 euro are included, but loans above 100,000 are excluded. Leasing agreements, which include the option to eventually buy the leased item, as in the French, I'm going to murder this, uh, location avec option d'achat, or LOA, is included, and leasing agreements with the purchase option are expected to be excluded. Crowdfunding credit services are included with the provider functions as a credit intermediary and green consumer loans based upon standards set by the EBA are also included. The final point I picked out from this directive is that the credit worthiness assessment, uh, the directive requires lenders for all loans within the scope of the proposal to perform credit worthiness assessments, referred to as CWA. If the assessment is negative, lending will be banned to avoid irresponsible lending and over-indebtedness. Information on the applicant shall be obtained from a variety of sources and whenever necessary by consulting a credit register, consumer arrears in the repayment of previous credit agreements, the type of credit and the identity of the creditor. That can be either public or private. Cross-border access to credit databases shall be guaranteed. Only objective criteria will be used for CWA, never personal data from social media. Now, one of the bigger points here is that when automated profiling is used, the consumer has the right to request and obtain human intervention from the creditor, consisting of an explanation of the assessment and of the review. Credit institutions could use AI to facilitate and complement some of their lending processes. For the credit worthiness assessment, AI could help the creditor gain access to faster and more accurate overview of their potential customers. It could give the customer access to more personalized conditions, which would benefit them and simultaneously make it safer for the lender, with more risks being accounted for. Again, this AI would fall under the AI Act and would be appropriate to the size, nature and complexity of the credit facility and the types of borrowers concerned. With fully automated CWA credit worthiness assessments, there is a risk of higher indebtedness for poor households, according to the EU. So they want to take a special care here that companies are taking due care as to how they're rolling out 
the credit, automated credit uh, using AI and making sure that people don't fall into too much debt. Finally, a quick word into the ever-expanding world of LLMs and AI. This week saw OpenAI add the ability to be able to interact with the large language model through voice input. You can also now share a photograph, image or diagram and use that to kick off a conversation. One example has a person share a rough image of a desired website page and then asking OpenAI to explain what the page is trying to achieve, critique the design and then automatically build a better alternative. This leap in the UI opens up more cases, but it doesn't necessarily make the service any smarter. A few years ago, a service such as Google Lens allowed you to take a photograph of something and then have that acted upon, but this is much more powerful. The promoters of OpenAI seem to think so too, as they've gone to market to try and raise money at a $90 billion valuation. This is a tripling in the valuation from the last fundraise. So I think we may be nearing the peak of expectations here to use the Gardner analyst phrase. However, it does go to show that the pace of innovation here in this LLM sector is still like the main story. It's the main development. It's just as big as I think the original infrastructure uh, from Amazon made available as a hosted service. This is the early days of AI, but we're already seeing this kind of exponential development in capabilities. So that's it from this week. Shorter episode than uh, usual. Maybe you'll say thankfully, but that's it for credit news update this week. Join us next week where hopefully we'll have Cormac back again, offering us his perspective on these developments. Until then, why not check out webio.com and why not subscribe to the Credit Shift Upcast while you're at it.